This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products for the very first time, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. They have roll-ons and rub-ons, any sort of that nature. It's more towards your athlete, but your everyday blue-collar worker works as well. It's for aches and pains. It's for pain management. So if you want to feel better and there's no THC, you won't get high. You don't have to worry. Go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. And if you like to shop online and you're a woman that so happens to be listening to the show, thank you very much. Please go to poppyapparel.com. That is an online clothing apparel store. You have everything for every shape and size, any season, any clothing apparel you want. Use promo code THEPODCAST with a capital D. You'll get 10% off. They ship worldwide and it's free shipping if you spend more than $50. And if you're into collectibles, signed memorabilia, hockey cards, wrestling figures, any of that sort of junk. Well, I shouldn't say junk, but to most people it's junk, but to nerd... Nerd culture, I guess, people love it. Go to First Row Collectibles. That is firstrow.ca. They have everything you need or want. They update daily. Like I said, they have anything from wrestling to hockey to basketball, football, comic books, anything in between. They have it there. Again, like I said, firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. You'll get 20% off. They now ship worldwide and Everything's in Canadian funds, so everybody gets that at a cheaper rate. I think they ship worldwide. I'm not sure. I'm getting confused now. It's either them or Black Belt CBD that ships worldwide. But anyways, you could try if you're an international listener. And if not, get a friend in North America and order it to them, and they could ship it over to you. So go again, lastly, go to firstworld.ca. And if you want to support me directly, please, if you scroll down on your device, it's embedded right there. The link is there. You could go to my merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to T-shirts to to onesies, to phone cases, to laptop cases. Anything you need or want is there on the website. That is tpublic.com. Like I said, just click on your device that's embedded. It's easy. It takes you right to the page. Support me. That helps me directly. And lastly and finally, the most important thing, the thing that is free of charge, the thing that costs you nothing but literally five seconds of your life, please rate, subscribe, review on any sort of device that you like. It doesn't matter. If you're iOS, if you're Android, if, you're, if you have a cloned phone, I don't care. 
I'm sure I'm somewhere you can find, but mostly it's on these major platforms. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So, if you haven't heard this week's guest voice, you've pretty much been living under a rock, especially if you're like from my generation, because I assume it's usually 30 to 40-year-olds that listen to the show. So, if you're from that era, if you haven't heard this man's voice, then I don't know what's wrong with you. But he has voiced such games as MLB Slugfest, NHL Hits, NFL Blitz, and most notably, and most famously, of course, NBA Jam, Mr. Tim Kittrow. Today's podcast brought to you by Boom Shakalaka Energy. Men, has the dunk gone out of your hoop life? Do you feel like you can't get up and stay up at the rim when you need to? Then maybe you should ask for Dunk It All. That's right, Boom Shakalaka Energy, now with Dunk It All, guaranteed to give you six extra inches of vertical leap. Well, that's, uh, that's what we got here today, uh, guys. Uh, we got a little Boom Shot Clock of Energy sponsor. and uh, Oh, by the way, it, uh, it can be habit-forming. Side effects include foam at the mouth, trash talking, and catching on fire. If you have a tongue lasting over five seconds, call Dr. J immediately. Boom shakalaka! How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. And right now, the 10-year-old in me just literally jizzed in my pants because that was, oh my God. Going back to the arcade <laughs> days when I used to play NBA Jam and hearing that iconic voice... Wow. Thank you for coming aboard, my friend. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, nice nice to be on. Uh, uh, we hooked up because uh, you did a great uh, podcast with uh, Rayan Ali, the author of uh, NBA Jam, the book. And uh, uh, we were talking just before we got on just what a wonderful book that is and kind of right. uh, brings all of us back uh, to that, uh, that sweet time in the 90s when uh, arcade games were king. Uh, just before the uh, the home video uh, market really took over, so those were the last glory days, and the book really tells you uh, uh, how it all came together here in Chicago at Midway Games. So uh, nice, nice to be on and share some stories and uh, uh, reach out and you know uh, connect with the fans because it's uh, really been a great period for me. Uh, Twenty six years later now wow. since uh, Jam came out. Uh, been doing a lot of uh, game tournaments, retro game tournaments, uh, appearances, and getting to meet with fans and seeing what a what a, a magical thing the the game was really, and how much it means to people. It, it surprises me after all these years that it's it's really revered as much as it is. I, I, I get it now, but for years after the game, I had no idea that it, it would have this kind of lasting impact. So. Uh, always good to connect with people and hear their stories. No, of course, most definitely. And going back to the book, how how did Ali actually get a hold of you? How did you guys connect? Did he reach out to you? Did you hear wind of this and you wanted to add to it? Well, he uh, he, he reached out to me. I think he found me on social media. But uh, uh, and I looked at his credentials. The guy's you know he's written for Sports Illustrated, Rolling right. Stone, of you course, know. Yeah. And he told me how uh, he really discovered basketball through. Um, NBA Jam. Uh, he was born overseas, and I'm trying to think right now. Was uh, whether it was, it was Pakistan, I believe. Pa- yeah, Pakistan, and uh, and it and it really made me think about like how far reaching NBA Jam was, and right. even in even in you know the United States. Games, NBA games weren't uh, even the finals uh, back in the '80s. They were not telecast live. They were sometimes, you know, tape delayed. That's crazy. Uh, it was just, you know, it was just the, the kind of the huge moment right before uh, the NBA uh, blew up. Um, and then when NBA Jam came along, suddenly people around the world could see uh, NBA players, see the NBA teams 
that they would never have had a chance to be exposed to, certainly in other countries. And uh, and you think of also just the United States, NBA was basically consisted of the best teams, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, the game of the week. There weren't right. all the different outlets, and it's certainly NBA TV and yep. League Pass, whatever. So you basically saw the Lakers, the Celtics, you know, the Knicks during the, you know, and the Bulls, you know, the, yep. the big teams. So if you were a smaller market uh, a fan, you know, you or you lived – you know, anywhere away from the NBA, what was your interest, you know? So NBA Jam, suddenly you're out at the arcade, you discover all these different teams, you discover all these different players, and you play as them constantly. So NBA Jam had a huge impact on the popularity, the rise uh, of the NBA. At the same time, the superstars, of course, you know, Jordan, you know, uh, uh, that era when he... Magic kind of handed the torch off. So, like, Magic and those early Lakers, uh, Showtime, the Celtics, right. were huge. But NBA Jam really started with, like, that Bulls era, so 93. And, uh, and, and you know, people, I, the other thing I get is uh, I wasn't a huge sports fan or not a huge NBA fan. Mm-hmm. And from women also, and they go, but NBA Jam was so much fun, I became a fan. So, it really has a has a far-reaching impact so getting back to rayon say so that, that was just so touching that like he said i heard your voice you know throughout my childhood and <laughs> was so intrigued with the game and all these years later he said i really want to document it so uh, we probably spent at least six hours on the phone several different interviews wow. and he must have done i think he said something between 50 and 60 interviews including ex-players shaquille o'neal right uh all the game creators mark Tamell, of course so it's a really well-researched book and what you're you're getting is not just a uh you know a story of like what is nba jam and you know its popularity or whatever it's it's about how the people came together and what the industry was like what game designers backgrounds were how they worked together how they were pitted against one another uh how you got crazy titles from narc to rampage to nfl blitz to mortal Kombat, smash tv so uh i was learning as much you know, during the um, both the interviews, because I was rehashing things that I hadn't thought about for years, but then certainly reading the book, learned probably more than any other game fan because, uh, it, you know, as much as I was immersed in the making of games, I didn't know much about the community and the, you know, the, the company itself. So I learned a, a lot about it. And uh, he's a great guy. We met up at the uh, Cleveland uh, uh, Tecmo bowl and nba jam uh tournament uh, a few months ago and nice. just what a great guy and and then to meet the hardcore gamers like the best nba jam players you know in the country yeah uh, really fun to see them have a, a great weekend and to sit there and uh you know uh, do some play-by-play while they're playing and MC the nice. event we, we had a great time so it's a great great community to be a part of yeah no kidding well even for myself being up here in toronto before we got the raptors there was no nba right so right. My, I, we knew of the NBA because obviously we had like our version of Sports Center up here and all that, so we'd get highlights. But we weren't really fans. What reeled me in, like you just said, I was one of those people who played NBA Jam. It's like, oh shit, this is fun. And then I started watching the games, and then I fell in love with the Knicks because being from Toronto, it's close to New York. It, that was the team that we pretty much gravitated towards. It was either the Knicks, if, if from Toronto back then, you're either a Bulls or a Knicks fan. That's pretty much Makes it. Makes sense. Right? Yep. E- exactly. So we all got all that. And then with the NBA Jam and everything, and it's just so crazy how it's so true. People don't realize what this game, just out of the spectrum of video games, what it did for pop culture, right? Yeah. 
That's amazing. You know, brought, yeah, brought people together at the arcades in a way where, um, you know, for the other games, you know, you don't you don't see six, seven, ten people around the cabinet, but NBA Jam was the virtual playground. Like right. outside, you know, back in the day before video games, it was like, and, and still, obviously, pickup basketball is huge, but people waiting for next, next, next. Well, that was NBA Jam. It was everybody waiting around the cabinet. And you were watching them play their avatars and rooting for them, and and you know it was there was an excitement level that you just you don't see you know uh, unless you're around an NBA Jam cabinet. It was one of those games that you know the four player especially everybody can jump in and you get your right. teams, you get the players you like to play. So that kind of excitement to see in an in an arcade is something totally unique in the in the history of video games to see one cabinet attract so many people. No kidding. So I'm assuming you're a gamer then before even voicing no, NBA. No, no? <laughs> Are you serious? One, one would think I was a, a voyeur uh, in, right? the, in the arcades because I just wanted to see how it was performing. I was comparing it to our, our rival at the time, which was uh, Run and Gun by Konami. Okay, yeah. Uh, came out around the same time, so I would check out a local arcade. I'd take my son there. He would play. But I always like to just listen, watch, and see how it all came together and see how the game sounded and looked, uh, you know, for my performance and, you know, got sure. a kick out of that. But never never picked up uh, the game, uh, just kind of my age. I, I missed the video game era. I was doing other things, acting right. and, you know, okay. working and, you know, raising my kids. So uh, there was no time out in arcades and playing video games. So it was, it was an interesting kind of thing for me. But anyway, Konami, I remember when it first came out, uh, NBA Jam was just out, and I remember Konami having a lot of people around it, and I was thinking, mm-hmm. "Oh, there's my competition. Well, this is. Uh, I wonder how how our, my game's going to do." Right. And it's like in no time, the NBA Jam cabinet was just crowded, and Konami like you know dwindled down to just a few people. So, <laughs> luckily, we we won that battle. <laughs> no kidding, right? <laughs> so for those, I, who- do re- I do remember. Listening to and watching the Konami game, the run and gun, and right. and the guy. It, oftentimes in the video game industry, people don't realize, especially back then, a lot of the people at the company, just designers or programmers or whatever, would do the voice. They never mm-hmm. even thought to go outside for talent, and right. that must have been one of those cases because the guy calling that game was like, "Nice shot for two." He sinks it oh in. Oh my god! And I was like, "Man, you ain't you ain't gonna last a minute in this joint." <laughs> I know it's like he's and calling you go golf. Down to my cabinet, like rejected. Get that stuff out of here. <laughs> Ugly shot. Can't buy a bucket. No good. Boom shakalaka. He's heated up. He's on fire. Kaboom. Wow. Like that, you know, you walk into an arcade. Uh, you know, it's like that's the the carnival barker. Which stand are you going to go to? You know, there was like you know, we were selling the crack. You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You hit it right on the nose. That's a great analogy. <laughs> So for those who didn't read the book, and I'm sure if you haven't, please go pick up the book. It's called NBA Jam the Book. You could Google it. You'll find it everywhere. Or follow myself or Rayana or even Tim. I'm sure we tweet about it every so often. So you can find the stuff there. But how did you get the NBA Jam gig? What? How was? Did you stumble upon it? Was it just a fluke? Did, again, were, were you contacted? Because you said you used to act before, right? Yeah, I was uh, uh, pursuing acting here in Chicago. And uh, uh, to keep one of my other... Passions Alive, drumming, uh, had you know rock and roll band in high school and pickup bands afterwards. And so I didn't have the ability to do that full time and certainly didn't want to make that my life. 
uh, pursuing acting, but I, I kept in a uh, band in the band that I put together here in Chicago. Uh, uh, one of the guys in the in the uh, group was uh, uh, working out at Midway Games, and his uh, responsibility was to put uh, sound and uh, speech in the games. And he said they were looking for someone for a pinball game for Gilligan's Island, and oh. uh, could I do an impression of Mr. Howell? So I said, Gilligan, maybe we could bribe Kona. Ooh, lovely. And that was it. Wow. Got in, started doing that. Then they, they came at me with uh, a bunch of other titles. I did Popeye, Popeye's Voice. I did oh, wow. uh, Rod Serling, The Twilight Zone. Okay. Fifteen different titles later, The Shadow. Uh, uh, I was just, I was kind of like then the guy that everybody knew out there at the company. And then when sure. uh, the uh, uh, video uh, uh, department headed up by, uh, well, for this particular project, Mark Jamel was working on the NBA Jam title, which wasn't even going to be an NBA license game. It was just going to be a, a digitized uh, motion capture uh, basketball game. They, yep. they just asked me. So it was, you know, today's world, you know, you'd, they'd be going through agencies, auditioning, whatever. So I did, didn't even have to audition. I was just, you know, a respected guy at the, at the company, uh, you know, freelance, you know, gun for hire. So, uh, the game came my way, and I was I was ready. I loved basketball. Had you know acting performance uh, background, and certainly voiceover background. Now with a few years of uh, you know all the pinball titles, so it was a good alignment of the stars. And what they say, preparation meets you know uh, opportunity. Yep. And you can call that luck, but you know you're prepared. You got the you know the chops to do it. And I was in the right place at the right time. So uh, yeah, I was very fortunate. Well, yeah, because I was also going to ask if you were a basketball fan. So you just answered, of course you were. So that, I guess, like you said, it made it a bit easier, right? Because you were fully huge, prepared. Huge, basketball fan. I was one of those little guys when I was growing up that, you know, was like, a, you know, 90-pound, you know, eighth grader or something, right. short. And uh, suddenly, <laughs> sophomore year, I shoot up to 5'7", then I'm like six feet uh, by senior year. Yeah. And I remember dunking just out of nowhere. Just oh, like, wow. I, uh, I my brother was a high jumper. He okay. uh, cleared six ten in college, Shit. and we used to uh, uh, we had a, a local gym that had a trampoline, you know, uh, one of the mini tramps, and we used to dunk off that thing, you know, when we were younger. <laughs> okay, and it was just my my dream in life is to be able to dunk someday. So imagine <laughs> the moment when I finally just realized that I could I could dunk, right. and uh, played basketball all the time in the backyard, pick up games and. When I was in Chicago, I was playing at the Y a few times a week. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, huge. And I uh, followed the uh, Phil Jackson's career. I was in Albany, New York. He was mm. the coach of the Albany Patroons. They won the uh, championship. And, uh, you know, so I, I loved seeing live basketball. And I was in a small armory. So I come to Chicago. He mm. comes to Chicago. There's Michael Jordan. It's like that's when I, you know, became the uh, the, the Bulls fan uh, uh it was just perfect timing, like beginning of Jordan's career, more or less, and oh. me just starting out. And there, here's this game. And unfortunately, <laughs> Jordan wasn't in that game. But uh, yeah, I was. Uh, you know, as I said, I'd rather I'd rather be at the gym playing than than you know playing on NBA Jam. That was the other thing. You know, I was just I couldn't get enough basketball. And that was the other thing I was going to ask about all these secrets that Rayon put in the book. Did you know about half of these things? Were you uh, aware of them? <laughs> no, I mean, I I, I really just. My experience there was you go in the booth, you have fun, you know, you get on to the next game, which was gotcha. NFL Blitz after jam. Okay. But not a lot of hanging out with uh, with the, the design team. It was basically just me and John Hay. He was mm. the 
the guy in the uh, that did all the music for NBA Jam and right. you know recorded and wrote the script. So you know it was just uh, it was a kind of you know fun punch the clock kind of job with uh, great extra money at the time, fifty bucks an hour. Nice. Uh, but in retrospect, you know, you look back, it's like, well, the game made a billion dollars in quarters the first year, and I made <laughs> nine hundred on a game, which I thought was, Ouch. you know, w- was like more money in, than I could imagine to, for just going in and having fun an hour here, an hour there in the studio. Right. I got an, an extra nine hundred bucks, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> it's right. uh, you know part of the gig. It's like being a session musician. You go in, you you know, you gotcha. lay down the drums or guitar, and yeah, you get yeah. paid the hourly session musician rate. And, Mm-hmm. You go on, the, the the song becomes a huge hit, and you don't get any royalties. So that's the way it is in the business. Yeah, it's crazy how that works. And now, going back, when you recorded, did you record with the game playing in front of you, or was it just you spinning? Oh out? no, we, I I I'm, I don't know that I really remember seeing the game until we were either just about finished, okay. or we were finished. You know, never never saw it. That's crazy. So what goes through your mind? Are you picturing older games or are you just literally just reading and being, like you said, a pure oh, professional? I'm just, I'm just I, you know, like an actor, you, you know, you pick something to, to you know, draw on to, you know, to make it real in front of you. So in the voiceover booth, it's great. You just kind of close your eyes. And I always pictured like certain shots, like, you know, what I just seen over the weekend, what Jordan or Pippen did or mm. myself at the gym, you know, like <laughs> just, you just live out the fantasy game in your head and you call it. Oh, that's fantastic! And everyone knows, yeah. You and you've spit some of them out already throughout the the, the show. Yep. Your catchphrases. Did, yeah. You, I'm assuming you came up with most of those, if not all of them. And were there any of them no, that no, you couldn't it was, come? Uh, it was oh, pretty much. Uh, uh, John Hay wrote the script because that was his job. He oh. was responsible for the speech, hiring the talent, putting okay. it in the game. And when you think of what was happening, as I told you, the only real broadcast was the NBA game of the week. Mm. Uh, and it was Marv Albert. And right. so Marv Albert is as synonymous with the NBA as I am now with NBA jam. So it's like right. once removed, like everything <laughs> that we heard in those games, you know, was, you know, basically the lingo, the, you know, the, the verbiage for, uh, the NBA games. And mm. it was, it was kind of Marv, you know, a lot of those phrases. So, uh, I didn't. I didn't really start to add my own stuff. Well, for NBA Jam until I did the remake with EA Sports. They just said you you write the script, and so oh, wow. now I wasn't relying on stuff I'd heard before. I gotcha. was doing my own, you know, more comedic, you know, wise guy sense of humor. Like uh, uh, for three, and like rummaging through his girlfriend's top dresser drawer finds nothing but nylon. <laughs> yeah, like your mom wearing latex pants. That dunk was dunk was tight. The block wow. doctor is in, and we'll see you now. Uh, you know, just you know, having fun, just like going off the off the rails with making it more of a, a, a comedic, you know, entertainment kind of experience, like commentator, you know, announcer. Mm. You know, there was a lot of periods in it where, yeah, I'm I'm calling the basketball game, but I used it as a springboard, knowing now with some perspective for NBA Jam, like let's make it more humorous. You know, I okay. didn't have that perspective in the beginning. I thought we were just making a realistic basketball game. So right. uh, if you are familiar with EA Sports, you know, that's the one where it, you know, really did kind of take off and become my own signature, uh, uh, you know, style and, and mm-hmm. script and et cetera. Oh, that's so cool. And now uh, the reason why I also brought up uh, the secrets, because there was one that I always loved to hear was the swearing mode. Was this true? Did you actually record swearing parts in it and they edited it? Uh, well, up? we... In any studio, in any, you know, there, there's, you know, a lot of hours and there's a lot of, 
you know, kidding around. And, right. and, and I think that for, I think that, you know, some of that stuff was like, oh, let's send this over to the guys because they're like, you know, working like 18, 20 hours a day. Let's give them a laugh. Uh, let's send them over a file <laughs> like this, like instead of, you know, get that stuff out of here. It's like, get that shit out of here. Right. So we, yeah, we did a, you know, we did a blue hour, you know, kind of uh, just, it was just for, for ourselves for laughs. Okay. Laughs. And, uh, uh, I don't know how, but somehow one of those files ended up being embedded in one of the home release versions oh, that someone discovered. And if you, you know, Google that, you know, you'll find out more than I remember, you know, that it's, mm-hmm. it's actually, it's out there. Right. So, oh, so that, that one is at least a, a little bit truth, I guess, behind it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you've also gained voice like pretty much every other sports league. Like you have the MLB under your belt, NHL, NFL. Are you also a broad sports fan or are you just a true NBA fan? Uh, well, I follow uh, hockey. I loved as a kid. I played okay. as a kid. I watched all the high school games. But once I got older, the, the TVs were, you know, not doing any justice. The old black and white TVs and the small puck, whatever. I just could not get into it, you know. Sure. So NBA uh the the uh you know baseball the cubs were my team the packers my football team very very much uh a fan of of all those sports so uh it was nice and i i do have the distinguished honor of being the only person in video games to vi- uh, voice all four major league sports yeah wow that's crazy is there any other sport that you haven't i guess what's left ufc boxing something like that in that vein well, uh, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, I can do some WWE stuff. I just met oh. Austin Creed, uh, Xavier Woods, and you know, he said I'd love to get you in. You know, if we get uh, if we get to do a, a video game, and uh, he's a huge NBA Jam fan. So we'll see. I did uh, for for pinball. I did World Cup soccer. I remember, and okay. also pinball. People may not know there are two pinball games out there. One is NBA Fast Break, made at Ballet. Uh, mm-hmm. Midway Valley Williams, and then I did one with Stern a few years ago. Stern Pinball, uh, okay. as the uh, pinball industry has come got back on its feet, I did uh, uh, NBA Pinball with them. So you can look those up too. Those are great. That's great. And you also do like the Mutant Football League. I read somewhere you did yeah, that one yeah, as well. Yeah, Mutant Football League, a remake of the original Mutant League football from '93. It was a Sega. I uh, had a Saturday morning cartoon show, oh, action shit. figures, post-apocalyptic world, uh, <laughs> gladiator kind of thing, but with mutants and zombies and skeletons. And right. it's just, it's it's the craziest over-the-top uh, uh, game. And uh, the, the world is just, it's, it's beautifully, beautifully illustrated with great animation. Uh, Mile High Chronic Stadium and every, you know, they're, they're parodying uh, all the different NFL teams, players and right. names and uh, you know, the Grim Bay Attackers, the Nuked London Hatriots, oh, the Philadelphia cool. Evils. Nice. Uh, you know, so we had so much fun with that. Uh, we put that out about a, two years ago now. Okay. Um, it's gotten great reviews. We were at E3, and we were actually a nominee for Best in Show. And oh, wow. we were a million-dollar Kickstarter, you know, under-the-radar small company, Digital Dreams, going mm-hmm. up against the billion-dollar, you know, companies. Right. So it's it's just the only the only problem we've had is spreading you know the word of mouth because uh, no big marketing budget, uh, but the critics yeah. love it. The fans are crazy about hardcore. So check out Mutant Football League. Oh, I most definitely will. See, I was one of those people. I didn't even know this existed until I did some research on yourself to see your background and what other games you voiced. But 
I was like, oh, because I used to love it. I used to play on the Sega Genesis all the time. That's actually what made me love football and got me into, at that time, was Joe Montana football, which then became yeah. uh, Madden football, right? And yeah. I used to love it as a child, and it was just so out of the ordinary. It was just so crazy, and everything about it was and over the, the, the top. The great thing is we didn't have uh, the NFL breathing down our necks because the last time I did NFL Blitz was with EA Sports in 2012, oh, and right. they got rid of all the late hits and mm, all the extracurricular activities, right, which right. is one of the huge reasons people love that game. Of course. So here I am, and they were, you know, I had to be very careful in my script writing and what I said. So all of a sudden, Michael's like, no, this is – we're going to have like an Adult Swim R-rated version, but Perfect. you can also turn off that on the controls so kids can play, you know, oh. without all the, the, the swearing and the and the blood and guts. But, uh, you know, I created this world, which is just wild, and you've got like dirty tricks hmm. along with playing like regular Madden football, yep. you know. You can you can like during the game you have like you can pull out a shotgun you can uh, you can you know you can kill a ref or bribe a ref to take a playback. Oh, that's you know, cool. Tom, you know, bomb shady in the shotgun formation pulls out a shotgun and shoots a defender's face off. That's what you call a real shotgun formation. Wow. Uh, there are hazards on the field occasionally, like a huge giant buzzsaw goes across the field. Giant sandworms come up and can eat a player. Wow. There are acid pits, toxic pits. Uh, it's just, it's crazy fun. And I tell people like, no matter what games you like, or if you love sim games, you're playing Madden, take a break from Madden go, you know what? Let's take a break and play a game. Cause now like sim games are like, they're, they're, they're hardcore, they're work. Like you're, you're, you know, you're doing everything and you're managing the team and you're, you know, create this one's like, you can get in, jump in five or 10 minutes with your friends, you know, do it during, during your football Sundays, you know, halftime or timeout or pregame mm-hmm. and just have fun. Like, like games were originally designed to be crazy Thank over you. the top. You can kill your team, the other team's quarterbacks and you can win by just like decimating this team. <laughs> if you can't get the points, you can just kill them all. Oh, that's all. You're speaking to the choir. Cause I'm the same way. I've said it before on the show on episodes in the past. I used to love that hardcore sim type sports game, but it's gotten too out of, it's real. It's too real for yeah. me. I just want to go in, have a season, get out, have some fun. And now I'm going yep. back and playing like blitz. Cause I still own blitz on the PS3. Same thing with yep. NBA jam. I go back and play those instead. I can't play any NBA 2K, it's too real for me. Like, you know, yeah. you got to literally release the shot exactly. And it's like, okay, yeah. I want to have fun. I don't want to be a manager, yeah. right? So I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, and the fun thing is, too, we did release a Dynasty version. So for those oh. people who are, like, hooked on, you know, all the, you know, Madden stuff, it's like, yeah, you can create your team and the yeah. general manager and go for it and, you know, try to get the championship and, you know, create the Dynasty. So, oh, that's cool. you know, the, it, it, and it, as I said, it plays like really it's you know it's a madden based kind of engine you know okay. and the yeah, guy yeah. uh the creative michael menheim worked at ea that's where mm. a mutant football league resided before he left yep. so d- don't be fooled like it, it it you know all the cartoonish and fun crazy stuff you can still have a great time playing football so that's the that's the real kicker for that it's like you get the satisfaction it, even if you're a more hardcore football gamer and you you like the sim stuff you're going to yeah. get that satisfaction but you're going to have those laughs and like crazy stuff happens that you, you know it just has to be experienced and the fun thing too is it's it's something where like it's a party game it's a drinking game you get together mm. it's going to be one of those things where you really connect like i was saying back at the arcades yeah it was it's something that brought people together so yeah it's fun to you know for for gamers you put on your headset and you play mm. someone online and 
you know, somewhere else in the Philippines or something. But to get people together in your home, on the couch, whatever, you know, that's the real fun of this game. Of course. No, I hear you. I'll definitely be checking it out after we're done with this. That's for sure. Well, you also don't only voice sports games. Your voice was in uh, the released game Rage 2. They used that as a, uh, a, a, a clever promotion. Okay. Um, a voice pack for it if you ordered early and they kind of based their advertising oh. campaign around. So it takes the, you know, the typical, you know, first person shooter game and suddenly you've got this crazy over the top, you know, NBA jam kind of soundtrack, mm-hmm. you know, with me just calling out the shots and uh, you can see the trailer online instead of me trying to reproduce it. Cause you have to see it with the visuals. Of course. So that was a, uh, that was fun to do. It was great, great fun. And I'm actually working on a voice pack for Dota right now the big uh, craze uh, in, in yep. the uh, game world now is dota they give 20 million dollar purse to the winners uh they fill wow. up the, you know stadiums around the world yep. you know 120 million users but it's that crazy fantasy world and hundreds of crazy characters mm-hmm. and so there have been some celebrity voice packs rick and morty oh. uh, did it so it's a, an opportunity to play the game that you're so used to seeing, hearing the same things, and suddenly just have some entertainment. And, of course. Uh, so I'll be doing my over-the-top style for you know this game, and it's called Dota Jam! <laughs> uh, we hope to have it out uh, uh, this spring, maybe by May. I just finished up okay. recording in Seattle. Oh, that's pretty cool. And what about like just everyday play-by-play or announcing? Say, say you had the opportunity to do a play-by-play for any sports league or whatever. Would that be interesting, or do you like the over-the-top? No, no. Be interesting because okay. it would be like going going to work uh, and telling telling someone who uh, you know likes to you know improvise and free form like that they've you know here's here's the here's what you have to follow you know I don't I don't like the rules like midway games uh. was all about breaking the rules every game we did was let's break the rules and that's why I was right. the announcer that got the fantasy was let's say what they're not allowed to say let's do the inappropriate things so gotcha. to have to be that. You know, t- you know, water down to follow and stick to like the parameters and the, their audience, whatever, uh, and the grind of it, uh, you know, doesn't appeal to me. I like sitting in, having a laugh, having fun, okay. you know, with something going on. Uh, I did a, a NBA Jam Day for the Clippers uh, mm. a couple of years ago, and uh, to go out there, sit in with the Fox News crew, they gave me four highlights pregame. And I just riffed on, you know, what I saw, and they oh, were cool. just cracking up because, of course, it was something they, they could never do. It was like, uh, DeAndre Jordan, time winding down. It's closer time, and he's going to do what closers do, a little dunk dialing. He's coming over for a booty shakalaka call. Kaboom! <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's like, what do closers do at closing time? A little dunk dialing. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's where I love. I like to do the things that other people can't do. Gotcha. So, uh and, and what I have been doing the last few years is working with NBA teams, including the uh, Golden State Warriors, where they'll nice. send me a highlight package after their, their playoffs for two years, mm-hmm. uh, every round. And then I just I write whatever I want. I give them some ideas uh, how to mock up the screen, you know, to do some digital effects. And uh, so you can see that all, I might as well mention it now, at timkitsrow.com or mrboomshocklocka.com. So uh, highlights for, for teams and, once again, stuff that you would never see or hear 
and uh, I did it for the Rockets. I've done it for the Wizards, you know, oh, nice. and uh, it's just great fun to be in NBA arenas. I got a live mic with the Houston Rockets, oh. you know, uh, with at the DJ booth. They played right. it, the highlight video I did on the Jumbotron, and then during the game, they said, just don't do it during gameplay, okay. you know, to, you know to, to mess up the players. <laughs> but uh, one of the first plays of the game, Harden had a breakaway dunk, and there I am yelling, boom, shakalaka! Yeah. And the stadium just went crazy. It's like wow. there was, like, the, you know, the game coming full circle, you know, into the real game. Well, that's awesome. Well, speaking of NBA, a little thing just happened this past weekend called the NBA All-Star Weekend. Yeah, I was there. It was oh, oh, really? Okay. So you well, of course. Well, it was in Chicago, so I guess yeah. how convenient and the home of NBA Jam. So this all ties together. Yeah. How was it being there live? Were you there for all the days, or just there for the the game? I was just there for for uh, for the the All Star game. Okay. And uh, what I loved about it is going back to when I watched the uh, Patroons, the CBA League in Albany. Right. They had a, a great idea to. Um, uh, have the the standings uh, listed by how many quarters you win. Mm. So you get a point for each quarter and two points for the win. Okay. So at the end of the year, you know you you may be in first place with not the most amount of wins, but the most amount of quarter win points. Gotcha. So what it does is we all know that uh, a lot of NBA games people say, oh, just tune in, in the fourth quarter. Yep. You know that first, second, third quarter is <laughs> like it, there's nothing at stake. So having this new format where it was you win each quarter and, and to make it interesting they had it for the charities here but still you're going who's going to win what quarter and then you think right. right in the beginning lebron's team is you know you know up like 53 to 30 something and you mm-hmm. go oh, okay what are those kind of all-star games again yeah and then team Giannis comes back and and just you know kills at the second quarter took <laughs> you know took even a bigger lead yep. and then it got to the fourth quarter i don't remember a game where i saw that kind of intensity, you know, it's like it was playoff. It was finals basketball, That's but really without cool. a, you know, you know, billion different interruptions uh, and people playing D and how many great calls the Giannis call, you know, first they said goaltending. They, they went back and looked at it. It's like they were playing their hearts out. It yep. was so much fun. The fans loved it. And uh, otherwise it would, it would have been kind of boring. You know, I've seen so many of those games where, yeah, they all, have a laugh and throw up crazy alley-oop, but they just don't really seem to care about the score. So that was right. really, really exciting to see that style of play. And and that reminded me, like, that's a video game. It's like, you know, you're playing NBA Jam. It's oh. like, you know, that quarter. Every quarter is like intense, intense, hard fought. So right. good to see them taking a step in the right direction, doing something different. No, it's true. At first, I was, because, again, being a Raptors fan, they won last year, and... I was so much in the Raptors heat, I was like, okay, I'm a bit NBA'd out. So I was going to take a break this year, right? But then now the Raptors are winning again, and I hate to say now I'm jumping back on the bandwagon and starting to watch again because now they have a shot, right? So I'm like, okay, this is pretty interesting. And if it wasn't for talking to you, I probably wouldn't have watched the All-Star game, right? Because I haven't watched it in years, and it was for that same reason. It's like, oh, here we go again. They're not going to try. The main guys aren't are going to play like just a few minutes because they don't want to get hurt. This, this, and that. There's nothing at stake. And then I tune in this year, and I'm like, what's going on? Why are they playing by each quarter? And why is the game up? Why is it over at 157? I was confused as just one of those casual fans this year. But the way yeah. you explained it, it was like, oh, it makes sense. Now I understand why they were so hard, like you said, defense. Like Lowry taking all those charges and then finally oh, getting yeah. that call. Like all those plays, yeah. it's like, this is a fucking NBA fight. And even them winning on a free throw and then them coming out as if they won the championship. How crazy was yeah. that? <laughs> 
So tying all that yeah. together, as a fan watching, I was at first I was a bit confused, but then by the end I was like, you know what? This is what well, they needed. It's also it's what you know. Everybody who ever picked up a basketball played pickup basketball. Like you know that last quarter made sense. Like you play yes to, to twenty four. Like you know that that's true. Or for Kobe, like you play to get to a certain number. Whether it's twenty one, you pick up you know game to eleven. You you always say, what's the game to? Okay, yeah. When you hit it, that's you hit true. it. And that is that, true. there's something really cool about chasing that number. So when you see like, oh, they're down by three, two, oh, all they need is a three and a two. It's like it had nothing to do with the clock or this or that, yes. you know, whatever. And unfortunately, it could still win in a free throw. But, you know, that happens in an NBA game, too. You're down to two seconds. Someone goes yep. to the line, whatever. Of course. But it was so close that the difference, and I heard some people talk about this, the change I would make mm-hmm. is right, especially maybe like in the last two minutes, I okay. would say, a non-shooting foul would not result in going to the line. It would result in taking a point, a, a defensive, a point oh, away from you. Oh, gotcha. So, so yeah, you, I you, like you, that. You lose a point, but the other team's not going to win. Of course. And they can't just foul, foul, foul people with no repercussions. If they foul someone away from the ball, yeah. non-shooting foul, they t- you get a point taken away from your team. So that makes perfect sense. You know, you could, you know, so you, yep. if you follow a guy three times, you try that hack-a-shack stuff or <laughs> yeah, whatever, of then you've just lost three points, you know, and the team gets the ball out. That's the one adjustment they have to make to make it more exciting. I guess so, yeah. And, well, even the whole draft system with LeBron and Giannis picking each side. Do anything yeah, I didn't like? A, another brilliant idea. But there's only one thing I don't like. If you have, like, in my case, I had Sayakam, as if I had, as if they played for me yeah. or something. But the Raptors had Sayakam and Lowry, right? If they were split yeah. up, who am I go- really going for? Now they're facing off against each other. Yeah. But then again, that adds the intrigue as well, I guess, but, right? But you know what? There there was something that I found myself doing. I was rooting for Team Giannis because I, I okay. love Giannis. And, and aside from... Yeah, the Bulls being a train wreck for all these years. I, I always uh, uh, enjoyed the Bucks, and uh, they had some great teams in the 90s. I loved it when Ray Allen was there, Big Dog, yes. and Cassell, and they made a great run. At any rate, uh, so I'm reading, rooting for Team Giannis, but in the game, I didn't have the full, full 100% allegiance, and I was I was rooting for great players and plays, and like Chris Paul was red hot. The guy had an alley-oop dunk, you know, mm. after all of his different injuries. Who would think that 15 right. years in the league, he has an alley-oop dunk, and he hit, I think, six out of eight uh, three-pointers, you know, talk about, he's hitting up, Paul's on fire, you know. And I and the next time down, I, someone else with the was with the ball with LeBron. I go get it to CP, get it to the hot hand, like yep. thinking like NBA Jam. I think you've got to feed the guy who's heating up. So I was rooting just for each play down the court, you know, for good basketball. I wanted to see the best matchups. I wanted to see the hot hand take it. And then you know, then I'd get more frustrated. He hits it, and I go. You know, now you know. You know, then Lowry came down. He had a, a couple crazy plays. Trey Young, although he had some great offense, yeah. you know, he was he was trying to get a little too fancy, and he had some critical turnovers down the stretch. And so, but I was in on each one of them, and it wasn't mm-hmm. like people do that in the old days. They just kind of like smile, shake their head, like, "Oh yeah, whatever. Let's go throw an alley oop off the backboard." Then at the other end, no, right. it was like, "Now let's let's now let's take advantage of that turnover and mm-hmm. make them pay." It, it was fun, man. And, and you know what else was cool? Just a, a small note. They didn't have the stadium lights up the way every stadium was always lit. Like right? there's the big overhead parking lot, you know, ugly fluorescent lights. <laughs> and then the game court lights. 
they lit it like a rock concert. The only yeah. lights were on the floor. I like that. And then they gave you these wristbands that had the color, like Team LeBron and Team Giannis, like it flashed either red or blue, Good or that. then white for the stars, like during the you know the Kobe tribute. Gotcha. So the stadium itself was like all of your attention was like right there, like on a rock concert. But if you went to your, you know, a show, a music show, and the, the the stadium, the venue lights were up. It's like mm. it's a different show. It was like you know WWE has learned to do this great theatrical presentation, mm-hmm. which I kind of think that the NBA adopted with all the, the stage stuff on the other end, right. the introductions this year. Did right. you see that common? You know, doing that, it was yep. just great to see the you know the like them it. come out. Uh, you know, there were there was such theater to it in the old days. They're just you know running out on the court and introducing them with a right. PA announcer. Exactly. So the, you know the theater aspect was great, and I, I hope more stadiums adopt that. It looks great when when just the court is lit. And I have to tell you on TV because I saw the monitors, right. uh, the way the camera picks it up, the it, it, the court just looked you know kind of bright and light, but there it was like just glowing orange kind of mm. amber. It was like as I said, a real like theater kind of feel it was really really cool well done no it did it came off well on tv like even uh the court itself with the drawings on the court and everything it wasn't just a plain the bulls ought to keep that man they're smart right? that's a great court i was gonna say every and, and i think every team should adopt that where they have sort of what that city represents either their yep. skyline or whatever they're known for yep. like you know what i mean that would be so cool and yep. then it distinguishes from each because again you don't really in football it's different because you see the whole spectrum of the of, yeah. of the field but an nba even in hockey same thing you just see the core players on the ice or on the basketball court. You don't right. see the surroundings. So it all sort of looks the same. So it sort of gives yeah. a distinct feel when you go from venue to venue, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool how over the years, you know, that uh, people have started to do the different, you know, different floors. You know, look at Brooklyn's floor now. True. Uh, so, yeah. so there is a lot more character. But man, that Bulls, that, that Chicago skyline did look great. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Like, it's, you know, the different games uh, over the years, uh, you know, even in the NBA Jam version we did in 2010-11, yeah. you could have, you know, fantasy places to play. And when I did uh, MLB Slugfest, you know, you could have a, a stadium that was like, you know, on, on a different planet mm. or, you know, all ice or just like the, these, you know, the fantasy things that arcade games would do for different locations. Ballers, NBA ballers playing on a oh. cruise ship. Yes. There's something Love cool about too. giving different uh, different cities different, you know. Uh, looks and, uh, and 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 allowing players to have the sneakers, you know, the you know whatever they want, you know. That's that was, true too. It's a small thing, but it's a huge yes. breakthrough. It's like it's all about the entertainers. Like these guys are, you know, you know, celebrities and rock stars, and the more they can express themselves. Remember a few years back, like uh, oh, when when the black sneakers came out, that mm. was a big thing. Like the NBA, when when the Knicks and and uh, the Bulls like started wearing black sneakers during the playoffs, I remember first there was a lot of grumbling, and the you know the, the commissioner's office wasn't sure if they think yep. well they can do them maybe just during playoff games, uh, <laughs> you know, and then like the the shorts here they're too, they're too long, they're too this, too that, yeah, so the you know, the whole true. culture is definitely more on board as more younger people get into you know the the other positions to go hey man this is this is where our culture and our audience is is younger and you know expression is what basketball is all about it's all artistry man it's so true and that's what again another thing that brought me into basketball in the late 80s early 90s was that flair like imagine if there was no alan iverson and the way he dressed and the way he acted like where would basketball be come on (laughs) right yeah yeah (laughs) It's so true. I love it. And what about snubs? Uh, is there anyone you think should have been there, or anyone that shouldn't have been, or you think they were pretty much? And I know no, it's a hard I, question. I, and I didn't. I didn't get into it that much. And I listened to some of the other sports writers say, oh, like, okay. you know, people from 
you know, the, everybody's got a, a player on a, on a team with a losing record, you know, or they're a bunch. They would say, oh, he should have been, he should have been. It's like, True. well, there is something about being on the winning team. And, you know, there was a lot of grumbling here, like, oh, Zach Levine got ripped off. And Barkley goes, hey, man, you know, there, there are players that are playing on winning teams. And, you know, it's just, I, I didn't really have a problem with that. I didn't feel like anyone was like a, a terrible snub. But, but what I did notice, though, was interesting is how quickly, you know, the, the league changes because it's a young man's game. And right. uh, just because of injuries, think of it this year, you, you ended up not missing it because there are so many great players and great young players mm-hmm. that would not have had a chance. Like, you know, well, obviously Trey Young is so good. And it's like, but he, he got in there. But without Steph Curry, K, KD, yep. you know, Clay Thompson, just the, the Warriors, all <laughs> those injuries. And and Kyrie Irving, you know, I was kind of happy that Kyrie wasn't playing. I wanted to see these other younger guys, right? And Dantich and you know Jokic. It's like it was so much fun to see young players have an immediate impact on the game and on the culture and the fan base. It's like. Right. You know, already like uh, Harden and those guys seem like the old timers. And he'll be at six points <laughs> as prolific as he's been early in the year. It was very odd to see him with like six points halfway through the game. And uh, no yeah, it's, it's, the game constantly changes and evolves, and you never know who the next big star is going to be. And that's part yeah. of the fun of it. No, it's so true. And that's why I like, actually, I enjoy the night before more than the actual, well, I used to, but this year the actual All Star game was, was pretty legit. But every other yeah. year, I like the three point, the skills. Yeah. The, obviously, the dunk competition, and that's why I like the NBA because it's usually well, other than Dwight Howard making an appearance this year, it's usually the young guns, the up and comers that participate yeah. in those competitions, and that's what I like about the NBA too. Unlike the NHL, where if you don't make the All Star team, you can't participate in the skills competition, right? Yeah. Well, in the yeah. NBA, if you're good at that, come on down, prove yourself, and and I love yeah. that aspect, right? And how about how about the the dunk contest? Eric Gordon just got his NBA degree from dunking on you. That taco dunk was on fuego, boom shakalaka. Right. Well, I so okay. There's two sides to this, and I've been reading. There's the people who said that taco tilted his head sideways, so it wasn't a real over the head. And but I, I, see, my, my <laughs> take on that is first of all, the guy's basically like what seven six, seven and a half feet tall. Fuck so crazy. Then he held the basketball up on his head, so that right. made it even taller. Even though his head is down, he's, gotcha. he's not put it on top of his head. Yeah. But if you if you measure what like seven and a half feet is for eric gordon's legs his crotch basically to clear that even come close to clearing it without that's just, like, true try it in the backyard with someone who's six feet you know <laughs> your your nutsack will go into the back of their head you'll both be in the hospital and oh. to clear that and still dunk it's not about like this this just wasn't an olympic event that had rules like and if you dunk <laughs> over someone you know that's your true. ball sack must not touch the top of their head <laughs> it's like no he still leapt oh. over a seven and a half foot man yep. and dunked the ball that's all that you're talking about just reach up put a seven and a half foot mark on a wall and look at <laughs> right? it and I just know. look at it and imagine going over that and dunking the basketball after you have cleared that that's you know that's what it's about and and they were both spectacular you know with their dunks but i thought that uh, you got to have new judges you should you should have all former nba players and or dunk contest winners would make more sense because they know that like that the degrees of difficulty and, you know the, the idea of the celebrity you know you know chadwick boseman or whatever yeah. and, you know and and then all the stuff back and forth with those guys they knew that they were just kind of like having a good time and throwing out those 50s, throwing out 50s for Superman because it was a Kobe tribute I yeah. thought was 
you know, yeah, I understand the sentiment, but wrong. Kobe's a competitor. Don't, you know, that, don't just right? turn it to that. Okay, good. He would have been pissed at that. You know, yes, like, I thought the same thing, too. Uh, and you throw out 50s too early in any competition. Maybe you should have an 8.5, a 9.5, you know, something like that. But uh, they too. got in trouble because they, they didn't realize also when it got to that one point, it should have just... And I think it should have just been awarded a, a joint, you know, joint trophy. But they weren't prepared to, you know, move like that on the fly. And maybe they didn't have two physical trophies and the earpieces. You know, commissioner like, no, they, we gotta have a winner. We gotta have a winner. It's like, how can you take it four fifties in a row and you can't win? Thank Come you. On. I was just going to say that. Even Gordon mentioned it himself afterwards in a press conference. I don't know if you saw it. He, he, I don't think yeah, he was pissed, but he was... if you have four oh, perfect scores. It's so crazy. Yeah. And he officially said it. He's done. He's no longer coming back to the dunk competition. He's now going to focus yeah. on the three-point competition. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he wants some kind of trophy. Crazy. But, no, I, I agree. Like, it's crazy. Even though I think the best dunk of the night was the Derek Jones Jr. one where... He jumped over that guy and went through his legs and done. it was so fast. I didn't even yeah. see it go through his legs. That's how fast it was. It was I, crazy. I, I mean, it's it's so hard to say because obviously these guys are doing what no normal human or normal or even good or great athlete can do. Right. When you get to that level of hand-eye coordination, ball control, and the, the sheer leaping abilities, like that's only one thing. Like you got to have that. It's the it's the body control. And the finish, and I thought Gordon's uh, uh, off the backboard, the side of the backboard, where he has to be flying about eight feet Mm. laterally toward the hoop and turn his body, catch with one hand, and then do that dunk. That, to me, was the highest degree of difficulty because once you're up there in midair, turning your body and catching that ball, and that ball, (laughs) once again, go out next to a basketball hoop and, and just play around with that kind of, that ball... Is like a you know a greased a greased seal. It just wants to jump out of your hands while you're imagine. flying through the air to maintain that control, True. concentration where the rim is turned. That kind of stuff is like it's it can't be fully appreciated by by most humans because we just go oh it's you know everything is spectacular about that that kind of leaping ability, but it's that hand eye coordination and gracefulness in air to readjust. But, uh, and you know, what's cool is like Kobe was doing the between the legs. How many years ago, Yeah, you know, so in a way it was a nice tribute to him, but it just shows you how far ahead of his time he was. No kidding. That, that is so true. But yeah, I guess there's really no big loser. I, that was the only yeah. controversy. Like even everything was just right up until the end, like uh, the skills competition, same thing. Like yeah. right at the end, it was bam uh, out of bio. And I, who was the other Sabonis? I think it was right. It was yeah. them two in the final. Yeah. It was right down to the last three-point shot. They kept yeah. going head-to-head. Then they drained it. Then the other one drained it right after. Three-point competition, same thing. That last rack. Oh, my God. I've never felt so, I don't know, on, on edge for yeah. a three-point competition. Because yeah. they're usually boring. I'm sorry. Out of all the competitions, yeah. the three-point one, it's just a guy yeah. shooting a ball, right? How much fun can it be? But this year, every competition brought it. Yeah, it was cool putting the uh, the uh, the three-point uh, Mountain Dew ball in there, too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my Trey, Trey Young and uh, like how some of these guys just like that how much further back that three point you know line is gone. So I, mm. I think it would be great also if they adopted what the uh, the big three is doing and put you know a a spot out on the floor for a four point shot. I think that'd be great. Because I was just going to ask that: Are you a fan of the big three? Uh, yeah, I yeah. 
I, I went to one of the games, <laughs> okay. whatever. It's, it, 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 it's a fun exhibition. Mm. You know, I like the idea. Um, it doesn't translate well on TV. I think, oh, uh, I, th- okay. I think it works great as a live experience because first of all, you're, you're up closer than most places is well, some of them they still play in the you know stadiums, but I saw it at the UIC Pavilion. Mm. But you're up close; they have a lot of fan interaction. The players go out, you know, it's like it's a, a much more like uh, fan friendly environment. And when you're watching just you know like the three on three in closer settings, you have a better appreciation uh, as opposed to the giant stadium. And when these guys have some diminished skills, you're really just rooting for your guys, like guys who gotcha. like watching yeah. play. Of course. Uh, so it's like, like if I was walking through Chicago park and, Oh, you know, there's, you know, there's Scotty Pippen or whatever, <laughs> former great, just in a right. pickup game with Jason Kidd or whatever. I go, this is awesome. This is like a dream. So like it, you get the idea, like where it should be so amazing. Right. But if you get, if, if you're in too big a stadium, like to play it at the United center to watch guys like, you know, half court, you know, three on three mm. and without huge, super athletic moves, it doesn't translate. But if in a small environment, gotcha. you know, uh, to be there and to have a chance to talk and meet players, which they, they, that's oh. one of their big things okay. that they go, they, you know, they actually come out and mingle with the crowd. You can see them and they spend more time doing that. It's, it's more that's about cool. like, you know, coming by, seeing one of your, you know, the, the legends kind of paying respect and watching them do their thing but i don't think as a as a tv you know as a sport it, it, it really works but i, I mm. love that idea as i said a four-point shot you can never be completely out of it you know especially with a three like some team hits two threes or up six you you know like now you have a chance with that four if you're down three to win the game mm. on an exciting shot uh, so it, it, you know it, it's interesting to see what kind of changes like in baseball like instead of having all those Pitching changes. Thank God they got rid of that. You know, it was starting to oh, kill. Oh yeah, you know, kill kill baseball. It's like that, you get certain amount of momentum, and then you just got you as a fan. You kind of sit back and you're seeing like, oh, okay, here another timeout. I do that. That guy's got to warm up. It's the same thing with the NBA with the way NBA teams uh, all those timeouts at the end of the game and playing the clock. It's like stop the clock, stop the clocks. You know, that's why I like this new idea. Like no clock. You know, there's two timeouts in the fourth quarter, but. Mm. Uh, you got to keep people engaged, and on the playground, you get so excited because the game is happening in real time. There's not a hundred timeouts, you know. So I think there's something important. Like, what if you're watching NBA Jam, getting back to video games, right. and all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, after all that that crack, you know, all that you know <laughs> that crack you've been you know smoking, you know, during the first few quarters, all of a sudden it just keeps stopping and stopping yeah. and stopping. It's like there's a glitch in the fucking game. I'm not gonna play this game anymore. True. So makes sense. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you're aware of this. Did you hear of the North Korean basketball rules? No. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. This has been all over the place. It's, it's, they've had it for a while, but for some odd reason, it's only reached us here most recently. Well, okay, here's some of the rules. They have three points for a dunk. Okay. Four points for a three points. That doesn't touch the rim. So a perfect swish, you get four oh, okay. points. <laughs> okay. Minus one point for missing a free throw. <laughs> wow. And eight points for a basket scored in the final three seconds. Oh. <laughs> that's, no. <laughs> See, no. that's going too and, far, and though. How many, and how many reviews are we going to have of, <laughs> did that ball hit the rim? Did, oh, it just uh, raised the rim. Let's look at another angle. Oh, it true. just raised the rim. Unless it's electronic, you know, who knows. Oh, probably. But, well, this is yeah. North Korea. They could, uh, you know, whatever rules goes, goes what the, as they want, right? Yeah. So. But I, but going back, I still think one of the biggest things is fouls away from the ball, non-shooting fouls, 
I don't right. like that freebie. Like, oh, they've got a foul to give. It's just like they always I know. they can just foul a person. And 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 then the end of the game, it's like you can't win on a non-shooting foul because like after all, everybody's playing their hearts out. There's this like reaching foul past the three-point line, and because they're over the limit, they're going to go and maybe win the game. No, yeah, you have like to it earn it. You know, but but you need to be penalized. Take a point away from the team that commits the foul, right. and there it is. That's I mean, God, it seems so easy when you think about it. How about this? Me being a hockey fan and you used to play hockey. <laughs> let's combine the two. If if you get fouled in the last minute, you you have to sit as a penalty instead of taking a foul, and now your team is shorthanded. You think that would work oh, in basketball? Boy, that would be bad. <laughs> Oh man, no, I don't. I don't think that would work. Then it would just. Uh, <laughs> then, then if you thought it was like a, a, a ticky tack foul, right? And you, you've lost your best player because of a ticky tack foul gotcha, and the pressure yeah. on the refs and everything else. That, but uh, I mean, I, 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 I see where you're going. It would be interesting, like for an exhibition game, to try some of those things, right? Once again, and maybe you know, maybe there's like a way that, uh, like in the in the summer league or the D league, is a place. Oh. Obviously, yeah, you they try do a lot of that. To do some things, but That's I think true. basketball is so much more. It's, it's so much more important than in hockey to have every player there. Uh, you know, you, t- you take, and especially you know, you take, you know, you take your leading scorer, mm. you know, your hot hand out. <clears throat> you're dead. I guess so. Yeah, I guess in that terms. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Well, we touched on it too a little bit. We brought up his name, Kobe. Obviously, he, we lost one of the greats. I haven't touched on it on the show yet. It's such a sad thing to, to even think of still to this day. It's crazy how yep. he was so young and we lost him so early. But did you ever get to work with Kobe? Did you do anything with Kobe no, or anything like that? No, no, never, never did. The, um, uh, the stars were not aligned, but I did see, remember him coming up. My son is uh, 34, and he said he looked up to Kobe like his cousin, like he was 17. It's like, oh, wow. so I got his perspective for someone... Uh, you know, Jer- my son Jared's age is that uh, he was special, and Jared was uh, he was playing basketball in middle school then. But his, he was really, you know, a, a smart kid, and and he saw <clears throat> what Kobe's discipline and work ethic was. He translated it into work. He said, mm-hmm. I, "I became a math a mathlete, you know, an <laughs> academic, you know, athlete." And like he it. challenged himself to take the hardest courses because oh, what wow. Kobe did, like he wanted to, he wanted to have everything thrown at him. You know, and work and work and work and work and work at every single aspect of his game, and so just shows you like how my son had this perspective. Like, well, I'm not going to be an NBA player, but I'm going to take that same discipline, that work ethic, that Mamba mentality, and I'm going to plug it into my life. So that was just so cool for me. I'd never thought of that. Like, really, how a great athlete, you know, uh, can can motivate, and that's what Kobe was doing. Also, with fun, with his, you know, the youth basketball, the girls basketball is Mm -hmm. going. Hey, we're gonna you, you know we're gonna we're gonna teach you how to have that work ethic and and ideally in all of sports throughout you know sports in, in, you know in this country especially in schools that's what the, you know a good sports program is doing it's like preparing you you know the through sports also saying you can be great at anything do everything yep. you do with the same kind of you know. Uh, you know, go after it, you know, shoot for it to be the best. And unfortunately, like it gets watered down. It's like then athletes get coddled. They don't, they don't make that connection of, oh, if I work really hard to my schoolwork mm-hmm. and I'm not one of the, you know, the one of the 99% to, you know, the 1 million people that get chosen for the draft, 
I will have another career in the future and a mentality that says never give up, even when yeah. suddenly you get out of college and you're not the, 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 the golden child and your people aren't like, you know, a few years later, they don't, oh, you were a college basketball player. You were tall. Oh, you mm-hmm. must have been someone. Were you someone? Are you a basketball player? Imagine that. How many athletes like after college and not getting into the NBA and after, you know, know, enter the workforce, that feeling of, oh, you know, I, I used to be somebody and feeling like invisible or I didn't get that. But if they still have that same kind of like I, I, I was prepared for anything and I worked really hard at this also, yeah. they have that confidence that they can take that confidence they had as an athlete and continue over to whatever path they follow in life. So I, that was a big takeaway that. Uh, I, I think that there were, it's obvious when you see the outpouring of people mm-hmm. all over the world, different ages, yeah. you know, girls, boys, and what? how many girls now are True. aware of basketball, if not, right. you know, fell in love with basketball, you know, because of what Kobe was doing. That, oh, women can be really great at this thing that they were told is just kind of an afterthought and the WNBA is not really to be taken seriously. Like, mm-hmm. with the, the credence that he gave that, the weight, you know, is, is, is really impressive. And When you see young stars come up now, you always have that feeling of like, well, where is, you know, he he had all this great potential. You see so many people, they get their contract. They never get to that next level. And the few like MJ, you know, that have that inner fire, but Kobe really, since he was 17, Mm -hmm. fearless, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be one of the best basketball players that ever lived. And I'm not going to stop. And I'm going to treat every summer and every workout and every practice like it's the last that's something that's missing from all of sports. Like, you know, so many athletes, like once they get there, they're just, eh, you know, how frustrating is it as an NBA fan when you see that person come up and then, you know, you see them just kind of like, meh, you know, right. and right now we've got people on the bulls, you know, like young talent and unfortunately like marketing, it's like just an example. And I'm not saying anything about his work ethic right. or anything else, but somehow whatever's going on, whether it's too many coaches, different systems, mm. different players, Oh, we're supposed to be a, a, a run and gun offense. Well, I have an inside game too. A, a, that mentality that Kobe has, like, I don't care what the restrictions are. That will make me work harder. Mm. Like MJ, like if you yep. tell me that I can't work in this system, I'll make it work. Then I'll develop this. I'll do that. Right. Great, great players. Never, let the system beat them or their surroundings or a coach or another player. And you just rarely see that, uh, that single mindedness, that silent assassin and not so silent Kobe being very vocal and and people like to make him the villain over the years. And then if you find out, well, what he's doing is he's challenging anyone like Dwight Howard, like, do you play with everything you got all the time? Look at you. You're seven feet tall. You're built like an Olympian. And you're not giving it everything because he sees it day to day. He knows, like, if you're not giving it anything, you're not going to fool me. I like that accountability. And maybe, you know, like coaches and, you know, players that that you that's the difference, that winning mentality. Like every team seems to have at least one player who has that aspect that Kobe has, like, you know. Uh, you know the Warriors, like certainly, like look at the the, the, the determination. Those guys, mm-hmm. you know, Draymond Green, you know, Steve Kerr's pedigree from championships, working yeah. with Popovich, working with Jackson, playing with the Bulls. There's something there, and then the teams that are just kind of drifting. And and look at the Kyrie effect. Great, great talent, mm-hmm. but do you see him leading, leading, leading a team? And, and bringing that team together, or he ends up being more divisive. And, and it's, it's just so weird how, like, one player 
Kyrie has great talent, but where is he? You know, Boston is better off without him this year. Right. He's, you know, he's in, in Brooklyn and he's already like offending the rest of his teammates. Hey, we got to <laughs> basically like get, we need, we're like four players short, you know? Right. It's, you know, Kobe, he had his moments with the younger players. Remember the, the last few years and people were saying, oh, he's too hard on the young guys. Yeah. It's like, well, look where they went. It's like, you know, the ones that listened to him and learned and watched, you know, they're going to do something. The other guy is like, hey, you might have had all the talent in the world, but you, it's going to dwindle away, you know. And and you had an opportunity to have the best mentor, you know, the best, you know, uh, yeah. person in the world to, to coach you, you know, the master class from the master basketball player. If you can't take a few hard knocks and criticisms, then you can't face, you know, you can't face this league. You can't, you know, you can't face it and, and handle – the pro- there's so much pressure on a young athlete. It's like, is it easier to just kind of dodge it, you know, to hide? And then you look at Iverson, the guy who, you know, another great guy that yeah. you, you brought up. That chip on his shoulder and playing yeah. at six feet, you have to be the hardest, you know, the best player on the court every night. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Kobe had a huge impact on the league. And the, the idea that he came in when Jordan was still there, Yep. And all the pressure of people going, is he the next MJ? Is That's he? true. You know what he did? He always deferred. He goes, he just said, I just want to be the best. I don't want to be compared. And look what his legacy is. The best that ever played. He exactly. can easily make a case. Like, as as powerful and dominant as Michael in his own right. Yeah. And, uh, and further reaching because I think what he did after basketball, like MJ's kind of disappeared with the yeah. Charlotte Hornets thing. And it's just kind of weird to figure out. And they haven't won. And bad decisions I know right and Kobe doing the girls basketball that's more of a legacy you know a, a game true. changer so most definitely yeah. no and I love the way you explain it it's so true people don't realize the scope and how much people he touched not only in basketball but outside of basketball and that's yep. why there's such this love because again the naysayers to be oh look at his past oh who cares his basketball oh he was rich whatever whatever it's like that's not the point the point is how many people's lives have changed because this man was yep. on earth that's the yep. reason like you know what I mean come on but yeah uh, Ignorance is bliss, I guess, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> well, you ready for the dumbass of the week? Yep. All right. Now we brought up reading books because obviously our good friend Rayon wrote a book himself. So we we I guess we're both readers. As what's the weirdest thing you've ever used as uh, a bookmark? Oh, uh, let's see. Because I'm sure we've all done it. <laughs> we've done used something that's not supposed to be. I, one, used, right? I used a banana peel. <laughs> Okay, so you're on this guy's level, probably. <laughs> I was going to say, well, I didn't even know me. Probably just a store receipt, a piece of paper. Like, yeah. I don't really have anything crazy that I've ever... Maybe a, a, a hockey card or even a playing card or something. Something like that. Yeah. Well, someone in Liverpool returned a book to the library. And, of course, this happens to happen at the library, the public library. And he returned a book. And then the next person took out the book, as per usual. That's what a library is, of course. Yeah. Gets home, opens it up, and what does he find? A slice of processed cheese in the middle as a bookmark. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So you, I could see you doing this then. If you're using yep. a banana peel. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little slice of salami or something. So at least even if you lose the bookmark, the salami, you can still have an oil mark on the page, know where you were. Right. And then in pure uh, internet fashion, everybody piped in to say what's the craziest thing they've ever used. So you have something from like cheese and crackers. Yeah. You have uh, uh, shoelaces is another big one, apparently. I guess people, I guess that makes sense. You could pull it yeah. over, right? Right. Uh, a taco. 
Nice. So there you go with the grease again. So you have people yeah. who use taco. Uh, I don't know why. Why would they wouldn't just use a brand new one, but a used sock? <laughs> sure. Why not? And the best one, because nothing says like having a, a good night of sex and then reading a book. A condom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, safe, safe reading. <laughs> so do you think this person is a dumbass or do you think he was smart? Is <laughs> it? Fine example of a dumbass. <laughs> oh, my God. These are the type of people you find online nowadays, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, hey, it adds for good content. What can you do? <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks a lot, Tim. I really appreciate you coming on and having some free time to talk to me this fine afternoon. Well, I, I have a, a lot of fun uh, visiting with, with, as I said, during the last couple of years, so many people that know more about the game than I do. <laughs> for the most part, and that are huge fans because it, it, it makes me, you know, uh, think that I, I kind of, I thought that what I did was just going to, like, go the way, you know, like most things go in pop culture. Like, you know, yeah, that we had a moment, right. but it was gone, but there's some staying power to NBA Jam and, and the body of my work that keeps people coming back. Yep. An entire new generation that were, yep. you know, kids, like, six seven eight you know at the time that still have an interest and you know i'm lucky to be one of those guys that was part of a pop culture moment that it's still it, it's just fun to talk about because everybody nice. has great memories because it reminds them of a, a a happy fun time playing with their brothers sisters their best friends mm -hmm. and it's nice that my name and my work is always going to be in the middle of like great memories for friends, brothers, sisters, family. Uh, I've had a lot of people over the years have told me that like they've lost a loved one, a sibling, a friend, that mm. they constantly played NBA Jam as a kid, and how every time yeah. it comes on, they like they they feel their friend or their their brother or sister, and they'll That's break awesome. into tears and say, "Man, you you your voice like every time I hear it reminds me of the happiest time of my life." And mm -hmm. uh, kids who were in bad neighborhoods said that they would hide at the the local like chinese oh. restaurant playing nba jam right. all the time to avoid the, the shooting out on the streets and the guy said i think you That's may nice. have saved my life because wow. if i wasn't in there addicted to that game i'd be out either running with the bad crowd or yep. a victim of randomness with the bad crowd so i mean things i would have never thought of in a million years mm -hmm. you know, like but when i go to the, the shows you meet people from all walks of life in different places you know different economic backgrounds neighborhood but it, it, the game meant the same to them. And the difference of like, you know, one person saying it may have literally saved my life to wow. someone else just saying, you know, we had a really unhappy home and this was my, you know, my, my place of happiness, you know, with all mm -hmm. the fighting or a divorce or something. It, it is just something, once again, that, that transcends the game. And, and I'm lucky that I've had a career that has been about fun and play and, and silliness like we've just had for the last hour or so. So uh, thank you so much. And, uh, uh, keep on jamming. <laughs> Love it. Well, before I let you go and you plug your shit, you also do personalized messaging. I yeah, I do. Uh, I have a, a site called Who Said What Now. Okay. Um, and you can find all this once again. Check out my site timkitro.com, yes, com. This has you know my press, the highlight videos, all the games I've done, all the fun stuff. Uh, but then uh, Who Said What Now is a site where you can have anything you know random line voicemail party invite a fantasy football party invite send a birth 
say greeting to a friend. Oh, there you, you go. Can, you can write what you want me to say, or you mm. can just tell me to improvise. And we have like 10 templates or six templates for voicemail. I, just, I add your name to make it custom. Oh, but it's fun. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's a fun gift, especially. There you go. And what about the socials? Where could people follow you and all that fun stuff? Follow me, Tim underscore Kitzrow. Twitter at Tim underscore Kitzrow. And uh, that's, I, I don't use Instagram that much. Okay. I, I probably should, but that's just that's Kitzrow, Kitzrow Tim. And uh, yeah, there you go. Perfect. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter under Finger Styles. Follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast DAP. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast DAP at gmail.com. Rewind to the top of the show, listen to all the fine sponsors because if it helps them out, it helps me out. And obviously, support me. Go to my merchandise store. It's embedded there on your device. Scroll down, click the link, buy something nice that goes directly in my pocket. Rate, subscribe, review Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. All good, Tim? At the buzzer, Tim Kitcher saying, the nail in the coffin, boom shakalaka. I don't even know how to follow that, so he's Tim, I'm Steve, this is the podcast, peace.